Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my live stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. And in this episode I'm joined by a fabulous singer-songwriter called Teenage Waitress, otherwise known as Daniel J. Ash. Not only is he another huge fan of Paul's, he supported him on tour, recorded at Black Barn Studios, Weller HQ, and has some fabulous stories to tell. His new debut solo album is called Love and Chemicals, released on the independent record label Colorama Records, which is run by Paul Weller's bandmate Andy Crofts. You see, the connections are endless, and it is a thing of beauty. So give it a stream or a download or however you get your music these days. And let's get into it. Hi, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. I'm hoping lockdown three is um, is treating you all right. In, as we record this on Sunday, the 10th of January, we're currently in, in yet another lockdown in the UK. From an artist like yourself, I keep hearing phrases such as um, a bedroom artist. I don't quite know what that means, but I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing it means that you just do everything there at home in, in the one room. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not particularly a social person anyway, so it's no real difference to me at the weekends. Just plug my guitar in and just write some music and yeah. I've got no friends, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's not the case. Uh, now, when did you first become um, aware of Paul Weller and discover the music of Paul? So I'd always been into music from like a, a super young age, like four or five. I was obsessed with David Bowie first. Nothing else mattered to me. You know, I was at school and, and sort of asked, what do you want to be when you're older? I want to be David Bowie, please, miss. <laughs> that was always like the, all I cared about. Then I got into the Beatles and same thing, sort of fell head over heels in love with them. But well, it must. It was. It was all mod cons, and I was fourteen, fifteen. It came along at the perfect time because I was awkward, pissed off teenager who just wanted someone I could turn up loud, and um, you know, it had it had the energy, it had the passion, but it also had like the great songwriting and the melodies and the gentler moments like English Rose and stuff. So that was the first album I heard, and um, it just blew me away. And it was, it was Tube Station. I remember was was the, the eureka moment of. I need to listen to everything that this band have done. And uh, yeah, they just became... Then my answer was, yeah, I want to be Paul Weller when I'm older. <laughs> I think like everyone who's, who's discovered them, 
they've just got this 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 magic where they feel like they're your band and that that's how they made me feel because like it was it was sort of like a discovery that i made for myself coming you know chancing upon all mod cons and i was i was never into any of the music that was in the charts at that time um so they they just really felt like they were my band and did you then kind of just plow through the back catalogue so discovering the jam the style council don't don't take me long (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah by that time a decent um catalogue of solo material as well because you've got all the kind of stanley road wildwood um yeah so it was uh i think as is now was like the first one that I was there for on release day. Yeah, that's a, so, so, yeah, it was a great album. But I remember, I remember, Twenty Two Dreams really blew my mind after that because I mean, I've always quite, I quite like albums like that where, where the artist or band just throws the kitchen sink, every, like the White Album and those really long double albums. And when I heard that Weller was doing one, it was oh, this is going to be something really special. And it was. It's it's, it's a great record. So you want to be David Bowie, then you want to be um, Weller. I'm guessing music is your life. Uh, at which yeah. point did you kind of start forming bands and kind of and getting on stage and gigging and stuff? Um, it was around that time, to be honest. I mean, I was still learning when I was going through college and stuff and, and learning what works and what doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was I was sort of, yeah, started writing around that time. Your career trajectory has gone through um, a band. And we'll yeah. talk about that in a second and kind of how you um, how you connected with Paul on that. So now being a kind of solo artist and just having your debut solo album um, last year un- under the umbrella of Teenage Waitress. So it'd be lovely to kind of talk yeah. through all that stuff as well. Talk me through when you kind of first start making music. So when do you pen to paper and start writing lyrics and, and getting to something that you're happy with? That was probably around the time, yeah, when I was at college and uni. And um, it was probably around the, the sort of time of 22 Dreams and stuff. So yeah, my first band, The Lost Boys, we did sort of 60s pop songs like the Beatles, you know, the melodies and the harmonies and stuff. And with the Teenage Waitress stuff now, it's, it's, it's more like, yeah, writing with, because I've always had the Bowie influence. It's being able to be a bit brave and confident and do stuff that's a, li- a little weirder, maybe a, li- a little more interesting sonically and production wise and playing around with all those other things that I never did in the Lost Boys. Now the noise around this LP is fantastic. I mean, the people are, are calling it, you know, one of the highlights of 2020 album wise, the work of a genius I've seen as well it, as one of the kind of quotes, which is lovely. So we'll talk about the new stuff, but I kind of wanted to go back a bit to the Lost Boys because there's a Weller connection there sure. where you supported him, Hammersmith Apollo and the 100 Club. So how did that come about? What happened with the Lost Boys was, so I, I never, I never chased record company people. I never chased press. I never chased managers. All I ever wanted to do was because I was such a fan was just get my music to my heroes. And um, so really, it was just a case of I just yeah, I, I sent some CDs to Black Palm, and I, I knew Andy as well around the time where he joined the Paul Weller band. I got to know Andy Crofts quite well. I was, it was probably a complete pain in the ass, but I just really wanted Paul to hear my music, and he very kindly, <laughs> very kindly gave it a go and, and, and gave me a chance. And I think that's. I mean, to his, he's such a such an amazing guy to, to do that because he's you know he, he could quite easily just sit on his own cloud and and but he really cares about music and he cares about new music and people and always like when yeah we got very very lucky as I say and supported him at Hammersmith Apollo and he was you know watching in the wings and talking to me about it afterwards and just what what an amazing person like when this is the guy that you know I had a Weller wardrobe when I was at school just carbs for Weller is stuck on the wardrobe and that you know. And, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, my I was obsessed, and I mean, I still am. But um, the whole never meet your heroes thing is is, is absolutely fine. If your heroes Paul Weller, meet your hero. Yeah. <laughs> He's a lovely guy. <laughs> They're not a complete knobhead. You're all right. Yeah. Um, and which came first? Did the supporting Weller come first, or the Radio Four stuff? The Radio Four master tapes. Oh well, actually, I think that was just before. Yeah, that was weird as well. So yeah, I went to see the 
I think it was around the time of Sonic Kicks, he did a, a session, BBC for Master Tapes with John Wilson. I asked the question, I, th- I think I think Weller had very kindly got back to me about my music by that point and had sent a message. And I think, I, I think I'd met him at the Sonic Kicks roundhouse gig as well. Andy very kindly got me in backstage. So cool. I had a chat with Weller and gave him a vinyl stuff. But yeah, we went to the to see the Made of Veil session. And um, I think, I think well, <laughs> I think well, I needed to go to the toilet because he was like he he played a couple of songs, and he was like I've I've got to go to the toilet. He was like Dan will play you a song. I was like, <laughs> 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 presumably you didn't have your guitar with you, so you so he's he handing over his guitar to you. He handed me his guitar, amazing. and again, what what an amazing thing to do. He he didn't go to the toilet. He sat, he sat on the stage and watched me nervously play through a song that I probably forgot every word to and <laughs> Love it. didn't sing a note in tune. <laughs> I, I got through it and it was, it was unreal. That's like the stuff of dreams that your yeah. hero going, go on, just give him a song. And then sitting, uh, not, not clearing off to the loo, but sitting around to listen as well. Was it? Yeah. Was nice. I think I went to the loo. But... <laughs> <laughs> during the, during the performance. Yeah. yeah. That was involuntary. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening to that because that was John Wilson, who I, I, who I always love whenever he's, he's chatting to anybody. There's an, there's an amazing Bowie interview that um, they've just released an extended version of today, funnily enough, which. Oh, he, wow. He's just, he's just a brilliant interviewer. And I remember that being about, it was primarily about like a master tape. So it was primarily about it was the jams, gift, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah the, the jams last album, the gift the nicest thing ever i feel very very lucky and just goes to show you what a nice person he is because you, you he's always championing bands and i'm always discovering great music from himself it's just so nice that you know i he, he gave gave me the time of day and 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 cared about listening to my music that was a lovely thing yeah this has come up quite a bit on the podcast actually the amount of kind of artists and bands who have been discovered through paul through recommendations mm. for me people like you know lucy rose um mm. young fathers um yep. pumas there's some just amazing talent out there right now and, and yeah and having an artist like that endorse you must be so kind of you know makes you so your stuff so credible right even even looking back like um you sort of uh, it took me on a whole voyage of discovery with with music that was long before my time. So things like the Zombies Odyssey and Oracle, like I listened to that because I read Paul Weller saying that it was his favourite album and instantly became one of my favourite albums. So yeah, you're right, new bands and and old music too. Like there's yeah, so it's sort of never ending well of uh, of good things to discover. Yeah, you're right. I mean, for me, yeah, people like Tim Hardin. Um, when I discovered a few songs that Paul had, had, had kind of covered, and Nick Drake and people like oh, that. Nick Drake, kind of, yeah, Nick yeah. Drake was another big one for me. Yeah, yeah, which is lovely, isn't it? And you're kind of constantly discovering. So, uh, so let's bring it bang up today. Um, Teenage Waitress. I guess the whole of last year for me seemed like a kind of lead up to your debut solo album. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. So the album's called Love and Chemicals, and if people don't yeah. know, it really is um, just a beautiful piece of work. Oh, thank you. It's on the record label of Andy Crofts, and Andy Crofts is part of Weller's um, band currently. I was going to say bass player, but I think Andy seems to do anything and everything um, for currently. There's, there's such Man a of many of, talents. Yeah, incredible. So I guess two questions. One, how did you get to know Andy, and how did it kind of get to be on his record label? And the second one, how do you write these kind of ridiculously addictive, what do I want to call them, earworm kind of choruses that just, <laughs> just get stuck in your head, man? These things are oh, crazy. Thank you. Like I say, I was into music from such a young age, especially like I remember like driving around when my parents would put on like the Beatles Red and Blue albums and like they're all about melody. So like in my head, that's always like when I'm writing a song, it's always like I've got to have a good hook. Otherwise, I'm not going to stick with it. I've, you know, I, I, that's that's my starting point for a lot of the songs. So maybe that's why why it feels that way sometimes because that's always what it all it all, it all blossoms from, really. And yeah, I like I like music like that. I like music that's like 
so catchy that the chorus even has a chorus yeah no i think i think that's probably what it is but with, with andy um yeah i say around the time that he he joined um the weller band um i think we were, we were friends on like i think it must have been MySpace going back to those times <laughs> but he was like super supportive of, of of what i was doing with the lost boys and i remember sending him cds and we, we played with the moons quite a few times and the lovely guys all of weller's band are just just the loveliest people as i think it's been said before like it's just such a such a warm family vibe whenever you go down black barn everyone's everyone asks you how you are you know everyone cares about you it's just there's just a really really nice atmosphere there was somebody else i can't remember who it was now that i read that you were supporting was it oh god was it was it ocean color scene or something like that or i can't remember we, now. we played something. with steve craddock a few times yeah right. um and that was that yeah steve's amazing as well so i thought is what ben was saying a few shows back just such an underrated player we went out today for our 30 minute um lockdown exercise <laughs> with the kids a bit of ocean kind of scene came on absolute radio and it was one of those ones where um it was just one of these insane kind of guitar licks that he's done and you we were just like <laughs> i mean in the car park, i'm like hold on i've got to listen to the rest of this we're not going anywhere right now this is incredible <laughs> he's just i mean what he's just such a talent he's incredible absolutely brilliant and, and a nice guy as well from what i hear from everybody yeah steve's a lovely guy now again when, whenever i've seen him he's always sort of asking about my music so let's talk about some of the songs as well um so uh, and i think some of the reviews and the comparisons and it'd be really interesting because you've talked about bowie you talked about weller other people remarking on people like um kevin parker so tom impala bowie you've mentioned blur divine comedy seems to come through but there's a few others that i don't i've not seen mentioned that i i think come through for me like people like bell and sebastian um oh wow see i i like them i've got one of their records but that i haven't delve that deeply into their back catalog so maybe that's something to well, you to should but, um, but also the supernaturals and i don't know if you again probably something that's not kind of kind of come up again that's another one Do you know, with the lost boys it's funny you say that with the lost boys we used to get squeezed all the time everyone used to say you sound just like squeeze but i didn't know who they were <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, better check this squeeze band out then and i was like oh okay yeah i'll take that that's that's great and then the other one and i think this comes from the kind of the fact that you are multi-talented and kind of seem to play every single instrument and i, I want you to go through a list of kind of everything that's on the album because it feels like there's everything from a kind of milk bottle to to, to the guitar but Conor O'Brien <laughs> um, so Villagers seems like another one and I don't know if that's just because obviously he goes by a, the name of something different to his actual name as a yeah he is a solo artist as well oh that's really cool yeah no I um I was going to call it Daniel Ash, but there is another Daniel Ash from Bauhaus and I think Love and Rockets. I think he's a couple of bands. And I, I did a few gigs. I remember when I was before Lost Boys, just as Daniel Ash. Because <laughs> I had a, a couple of goths turn up to my to my gig <laughs> thinking I was I was him. And there I was with like a little Fred Perry playing Heat Wave at 100 miles an hour to... <laughs> this gig has sold out in 10 seconds. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I'd get as far away as I can from, from that name as possible. I love the Eels as well. They, yeah, yeah. They, they've got that thing going on as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So where did the Teenage Waitress title come from? Where, where did you find that? Um, well, because a lot of the album's like other people's stories and like, um, yeah, written from other people's perspective. So I like the idea of like like a waitress hearing bits of people's day as she's collecting plates and stuff and here's one story from one table and then you know from another, some, some information's missing from another story like yeah it's quite cool to let, sort of let the audience join the dots on a, on a lot of the stories so consciously took out like certain lyrics or like one of the songs i think finishes halfway through a sentence 
And it's, it's just the idea of someone catching a bit of a story and then moving on to the next. I mean, that feels similar to some of the stuff from The Jam in terms of Paul Weller kind of telling these. Yeah. And, it, and it was often kind of given as a criticism of Paul that he was always kind of looking out rather than looking in. But this kind of looking through a window of life and kind of observing other people is... is... Life from a window. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's something that we all kind of enjoy, that kind of people watching thing. But the way you kind of are able to turn that into these little kind of mini stories, I guess, is, is, is a lovely thing. Oh, thank you. Well, I... Definitely learned from the best with Paul. <laughs> now, let's talk about a couple of the singles, um, which I think people should, if they've not heard the stuff, uh, your stuff before, should immediately kind of get onto um, Alexa or, or or buy it, more importantly, because the royalties will be better. Um, <laughs> but the, the the one that seemed to, and I think it was beginning of last year where you released as a single, and was I Don't Like This Party. And again, this is yeah. one that immediately gets stuck in your head to the point that a few days later, you're kind of singing again, what is that song? Oh, right. It's the- <laughs> oh, great. And this is one where it's actually more autobiographical, I understand. So this is more about you. Yeah, I, I didn't like that party. <laughs> <laughs> was it just one or multiple parties? Oh, it was many, many parties. <laughs> it's like, I, I, that. so that song is actually about a party, one party that I went to, I, I think probably about 14 or 15. And I'd, it was the same day I brought the first Clash album. And I was at this party that a friend of a friend, so I didn't want to be there. And all I could think about was, I've got this Clash album at home. I just want to go home and listen to it. Like, I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't enjoy myself. I was just, I was so... Excited to go home and put on the the clash. <laughs> so did you manage to? So that's where that came from. Managed to make an early exit from this terrible party, or you you stuck there all night? I probably did. Yeah, I've got quite a few good excuses lined up for any opportunity. <laughs> um, and the other thing I love about the, this stuff and um, is these kind of quirky videos that you're creating as well. And is again, is that you in your bedroom on your own making these things, or have you got people that you kind of collaborate with on that stuff? The party video was done with a with a team, a proper professional shoot. A guy called Jamie Milligan, who's a fantastic music video maker. So if anyone wants a music video. Jamie Milligan is your man. So he, yeah, him and his amazing team helped me with that. And then for um, the rest, yeah, I, I, I did some at home, just again, like a sort of lockdown project, have a day and think it's kind of probably worth doing because you know, to have a visual is, is yeah. quite an important thing, I think, for some songs. So I think there's one for I'm Leaving Berlin, which is just like a bird's eye shot because my phone could just sit on a gap in the stairs and I could just play my keys underneath it. And it reminded me of this. Like, I think it was a Beatles overhead bird's eye view shot, famous one from when they used to play in the 60s. And that, that sort of inspired that. Lovely, lovely. And so, I mean, clearly you're a very creative chap. So yeah, talk me through the the, the instruments that you've, you've got there in the room, but also the stuff that features on the album because it feels like you're pulling stuff from anywhere and everywhere to kind of get get a sound out of it goes on the album would that be right so yeah um, it normally either starts with keys or guitar and because i'm such a paul weller fan i've got the rick and back 330 as the weapon of choice um or bass yeah a lot of the fun stuff comes afterwards i'll get the song down and then it's like oh you know what? i can hear an accordion doing this actually or you know a kazoo there's, there's a couple of kazoos there's a the spoons turn up in one song um yeah, I can't, do you know what? I can't even. There's there's lots. <laughs> I don't know if I can remember them all. To be honest, it's it's working really well for me because I've I'm so used to being in, like I say, in a band where it's four guys in a room. A lot of the time, I would I'd be bringing the song to the table, and I wouldn't want to annoy everyone else in the room by asking them to repeat it six times. But you know, whilst I try different things out or change this or cut this bit out, when I with the Lost Boys, a lot of it had to sort of be formed before it came to the room, mm. and it's it's really nice to have the freedom of just set up a project and then choose a synth sound and, and, and improvise for an hour over a drum loop and just see if anything comes. Just never done that before. And how does, and I'm guessing you don't know so much. I was going to ask you how, how does this work live? 
But as as we uh, see in lockdown, yeah. is, are you kind of Ed Sheeran with 12 loop pedals and, <laughs> and all that? So we've not done a live gig as Teenage Waitress yet. And I've got a band ready to go. I've got a really cool band that's going to sound brilliant. We just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to do that. I've done a few like live streams from home, like acoustic sort of lockdown gigs. But the songs don't really, I don't know. They, they I think they need to be a foot, uh, with a full band to really work as best as they can. Fingers crossed 2021, we'll see you be able to get out and promote because it, be, it must be weird releasing an album. And I've heard Paul talk about a similar thing with On Sunset and, and now the kind of new album that's going to come out this year that they worked on in lockdown. It feels mm. weird to kind of release these things and then not be able to kind of get on the road and tour them and, and start building up an audience base and all that for you, right? Yeah, it's the strangest thing, releasing something and then, yeah, not doing anything about it like on the road. It's, yeah, it's really, really weird. I don't know. Hopefully there's there's good elements of it as well that, you know, maybe someone that probably wouldn't have listened because they were at home and have seen my think my post on Facebook have, have listened to it because they they weren't out or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's meant a few more people to listen to it, which is... Yeah. This very podcast probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for lockdown and me <laughs> finally pulling my finger out and getting it done. So Dan, this has been great, but we need to hear some music. Um, you're going to play a track for us. Uh, what are you going to play? I'm going to play a song called um, The Mess You Made Me Make. Oh, lovely. And nice. it's that's a um, that's a, like a POV of, uh, of a prisoner and having an argument with the voice in his head. It was going to be from my point of view, but I've just not got a very interesting voice in my head, so I thought I'd change <laughs> to a different character. <laughs> Love it. Nice one. Thank you. That wicked voice I hear it in my sleep All blue-eyed boys Have secrets they must keep And it's the mess You made me make I close my eyes So helpless to your spell My lonely prayer On this wretched carousel It's the mess you Crimson eyes on your TV. Sit and talk to God, but He won't believe. It's the mess you made me make. Towards the chair, my mother cries. They bent over and swallowed all your lies. It's the
<laughs> the dogs barking outside really <laughs> wow like that. that was so good man wow 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 wow, oh, wow thank you did it all sound okay yeah that was so good man bloody hell well done oh thank you very much sorry oh. i couldn't play the spoon solo as well <laughs> tried Lazy. to you know, squeeze them in, twi- in between my toes but uh. <laughs> uh that was absolutely beautiful well done so, um, and that was one of the singles last easter time right yeah that was yeah. the second single i think yeah Love it. Well done. What an amazing tune. Love it. Oh, thank you. You, you mentioned kind of recording at Black Barn. What does that feel like? Because it feels like to me, if you're a Weller fan, that's almost like, a, that's, that's like your Abbey Road effectively, isn't it? Black Barn. Yeah. It was, Paul Weller's it was, HQ, you know? It was very, very special. Yeah. I feel very lucky to have been able to, to do that. It was it, adult Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> How many kazoos have they got? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know actually but they've got you know like I remember just sort of walking around and, and it's there's there's so much magic in the air because like all obviously all the all the, the Weller records that I can't remember what album they started recording there but you know all the things like the 22 Dreams and the Wake Up the Nations were all done there it just it just felt so, it felt so magic to to be in in that control room and in that live room and you know Pete Townsend's guitars are off you know in the, in the corner and yeah it's it's a really special place to be the whole, everyone at Wellow HQ is just amazing. Can you remember the first time that you saw Paul live? Yeah, the first time I saw Paul live was the Twenty Two Dreams tour, uh, Osborne House, the Isle of Wight. I was and there. I was there in that mosh pit. I was oh, there. Oh wow! Clinging on That's for dear amazing. life. And the thing was, at that time, because like obviously, like all the other the other two heroes of mine, the Beatles and Bowie, I was never going to see them live. So like, it was such a special thing. So like, I was bang at the front. I remember he came out and he came out in a white suit, straight into Changing Man. And it was just an out of body thing, just because, like I say, like it was this person whose records I brought religiously, listened to religiously, and had a wardrobe with his face all over. So, like <laughs> to be to be there watching Paul Weller come on stage and and cool as ever, and just you know just hit it straight away and to change him out, it was really special. Uh, so this was my first time ever seeing Weller live, and we had to hurry back to get the car ferry to get home. I was proper grumpy about it because I think he just. Just started playing Eating Rifles. It was like, no, I've got to get the ferry now. Oh, okay. So like leaving the venue as Eating Rifles was, was being played. I was like gutted. Got on the car, got to the car ferry. In front of our car was this huge tour bus. And I was like, that that can't be. Like it was still on the stage when we were leaving. But my like the other voice in my head was going, no, no, go on, give, have a look. You never know. You never know, mate. So I, I, cut, I cut out, had a look, and Weller was there, front seat of the, it was his tour bus. He was there in the front seat, and he, he gestured to me to come in, come in the bus. And I was like, no, I was like, this is mad. Like, you were on the stage three minutes ago. Actually, yeah. So, yeah. Um, he let, he let me come in. This, this was before anything with the Lost Boys. This is the first time I saw and, and met Paul in the same, same night. Yeah. Again, it was a bit like a dream, really. Like I try and play it cool and, and <laughs> suck it up, but it's impossible. <laughs> Getting a bit better at it now. But, um, I just remember telling him how much like setting suns and, and sound effects meant to me. And I, th- I think he might have kissed me on the cheek. I don't know if I made that up, but I think he kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> Cause I seem to remember saying, like, I'm never going to wash this cheek again. <laughs> yeah, it was that was so special. That, I was, bet. that was Osborne House. Oh man, that's so it made up. For, it made up for missing Eaton Rifles. I was going to say, yeah, if you'd have stayed to see Eaton Rifles, that wouldn't have happened. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, that was a good night. That was because it was like a two-hour set or something crazy. It was like it felt like that was never going to end. It was yeah. a very special gig. Yeah, yeah. Apart from for you, where you went half hour before it, you know. <laughs> if I got kissed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Right, a couple of questions before you go. This has been so lovely, Dan. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. No, thank you, mate. If there were to be one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life, and I appreciate this will change daily, but which one is it right now? You're only allowed one. We're going to delete the rest of the back catalogue. You, you can only carry one song forward with you from here on in. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Um, I'm going to say um, Ghosts. Oh, now the magic mod had There's that so, one as well. So, um, so what is what is it about ghosts? Oh, can I not take that one? No, you can have that. You can have that. What is it about ghosts? It's just like I don't know. I'd see. So I I think it was was it the last jam album I got? I think it might have been because I think yeah, I think it was the last jam album that I heard when I was sort of rinsing all the back catalogue. And I remember being in my bedroom listening to. It. I could sort of close my eyes and and be that that age again listening to it for the first time and ghost just really took me by surprise just because it, it was just as a one song it just felt like such a move forward and such an interesting dynamic next to to happy together i remember listening to happy together and thinking oh yeah this is really cool and then ghosts come on and, you, and it's just just a beautiful gentle haunting song and it, it really did something to me i'm sure i've seen that live in recent years as well so i don't know if that's something that's kind of crept, yeah, back, crept yeah. back into the set list yeah yeah um so i was very lucky i went to black barn a couple of years ago when i think paul and his band were, were rehearsing it wasn't the acoustic. It wasn't live aspect. I think it was a full band. Um, I was very lucky because it was the day I think that they were going through all the all the old Jam and Style Council songs. And so I heard things like It's a Very Deep Sea and I heard Boy About Town and Man in the Corner. All like, it's just amazing to hear hear them. Wow. I was just sat on the sofa just like, this is, this is probably the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they played Ghosts and it, it, it blew me away. Like I say, like I remember... I remember just it, it, it blown me away when I heard it on the record for the first time, just because it felt so fresh and, and new and different. Wow, that is incredible. And um, I need to remind myself, and this is, a, this is the second question, the whole point of this podcast is for me to get to Blackburn to be able to interview the great man himself. So what do you think I should cover off? Is, is there a burning question that you'd love to see answered? I think I've, I've always just talked to Paul about music because he's always, he's always given me, it's like I say, like we said before, like he always has introduced me to to other music that I love, whether, you know, whether that was through magazines or like face to face, like, like last time I was there, he was, he was telling me, I was talking about the beach boys and I was saying, yeah, I love pet sounds and I love uh, smile sessions, but uh, that's about it for me. And he was like, Dan, get on, check out friends and sunflower, go buy those two albums as soon as you get home. <laughs> and I did. And he was right. Like they were masterpieces. So like, I would say just, just have a natter about music and, and, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll give you a gem to go and to go and source out as soon as you, you get home. Um, hey, look, this has been so special, Dan. Thank you so much. Good luck with the album. Um, I look forward to seeing you in 2021 live. Um, I can't wait, along with I'm sure a lot of other people um, listening to this podcast, to get back to some live music and get back in some in some mosh pits totally. and in some kind of or just in some kind of social <laughs> interaction with other people would be nice. Totally. Uh, yeah. No, thank you very much for having me. It's yeah, it's a wicked podcast, and I feel very lucky to come and yeah, have a chat with you. Oh, bless you, man. All right. Well, stay safe and, and thanks very much and, and, and cheers for this. Really appreciate it. No worries, Dan. Thanks a lot, mate. I have to say I enjoyed that so much. What a lovely chap and what a talent. Wow. And I feel like John Peel with that little session as well there. That was great. Next week on the podcast, I'm joined by Pat Gilbert, journalist, author, broadcaster. If you haven't got the Paul Weller Collector's Series from Mojo in your life, then Google it right now and get yourself a copy. We'll be chatting all about it next week. Plus, Pat has some amazing stories up his sleeve, including some exclusive news on the new album that comes out in 2021. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, give us a retweet and help us spread the word on Twitter. It's at WellerFanPod 
or you can find us on Instagram at Paul Weller Fan Pod. We'll see you next week. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.